0: Listen to what could go right wherever you get your podcasts. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash IBM. Let's create. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those interested in the big and small moments of history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're telling the story behind the world's first chocolate-coated ice cream bar. The day was January 24th, 1922. Danish immigrant Christian K. Nelson received a patent for a frozen treat known as the Eskimo pie. The patent itself was a mere page and a half of text, and while it didn't mention the product's name, that was trademarked separately, it did give a comically dense description of chocolate-coated ice cream. What Nelson had invented, according to the patent, was, quote, A core consisting of a block or brick of ice cream of general rectangular configuration sealed within a shell of edible material. Mmm. Nelson had put a good deal of work into perfecting the formula for a chocolate coating that would harden at a lower temperature. He hoped his patent would protect that hard work and allow him to profit from what had proved to be a winning idea. But in the end, the Eskimo pie patent wound up having the opposite effect, embroiling Nelson in drawn-out lawsuits and eventually bankrupting his company. Christian Kent Nelson was born on March 12, 1893, in Denmark. When he was still an infant, his dairy-farming family emigrated to the United States. They moved around from Illinois to Wisconsin and finally to Iowa, settling in the town of Onawa in 1903. As an adult, Nelson earned a teacher's certificate from the University of Nebraska, but then put his career on hold to serve in the Army during World War I. When the fighting ended, he returned to Ottawa and got a job as a high school teacher. A little later, he opened a small confectionery shop near the school, selling ice cream and candy to many of his own students. While working the counter one day in 1920, Nelson had an interaction with a customer that would change his life forever. A young boy was having trouble deciding between a chocolate bar and an ice cream cone, and when Nelson suggested he buy both, the boy replied, sure, I know I want them both, but I only got a nickel. The boy's dilemma gave Nelson the idea to combine the two popular products into one affordable treat. The experiment proved surprisingly tricky, though, as Nelson couldn't get the melted chocolate to stick to the frozen ice cream bar. After several weeks of tinkering, Nelson solved the problem by adding cocoa butter to the chocolate, which made it adhere perfectly to the vanilla ice cream. Right away, Nelson cranked out 500 ice cream bricks coated with his specially formulated chocolate. He called them ice cream Bars, a play on the famous rhyme, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. The foil-wrapped bars made quite an impression at the local fireman's picnic. So Nelson began looking for companies that could mass-produce his product and sell it nationwide. In 1921, Nelson's search took him to Omaha, where he met an ice cream plant superintendent named Russell Stover. The two hit it off immediately, so much so that they signed a business contract on the very same day they first met. The simple, handwritten agreement stated the men would be partners, and that they would, quote, coat ice cream with chocolate and divide the profits equally. The plan was to sell the manufacturing rights to local ice cream companies for a fee of between $500 and $1,000, plus a royalty for every bar sold. There was one problem, though. Stouffer hated the name Ice Cream. He thought it was far too menacing for a frozen dessert, so he wrote out a long list of cold-themed words and had guests at a dinner party vote on the combinations they liked the best. By the end of the evening, Eskimo pie was the clear favorite, a contribution from Stover's wife, Clara. The new name was meant to evoke the frigid region of Alaska and the indigenous people who lived there, but the imagery used in the advertising and the name itself were rooted in racist stereotypes. The word Eskimo was a catch-all term used by European colonists to refer to Inuit, Yupik, and Aluit peoples. Today, many consider it antiquated or downright offensive, but back in the 1920s, few people questioned the term's usage, even in marketing. In fact, the first ad campaign to use the Eskimo Pie name was a breakout success. Nelson and Stover sold 250,000 units in the first 24 hours, and by spring of 1922, they were selling a million bars per day. The Eskimo Pie Company was riding high, but it wasn't long before Nelson's own patent started to get in the way. The problem was the breadth of the patent. It was written so vaguely that it could have applied to any kind of frozen material layered onto ice cream. Nelson's real breakthrough, the idea he should have protected, was the formula for the special chocolate coating he'd invented, the one that works with ice cream. The actual patent didn't mention it at all, though. Instead, it outlined the basic concept of candy-coated ice cream bars, essentially claiming rights to the entire category. That was clearly the company's intention, too, because on the day the Eskimo pie patent was issued, an internal memo was sent that described it as, quote, a broad and basic patent covering not only the chocolate-covered ice cream bar, but almost every conceivable variation of it. Nelson and his company were trying to claim ownership of products they hadn't invented. The Eskimo Pie may have been the first chocolate-covered ice cream bar on the market, but Nelson didn't invent the idea of surrounding ice cream with frozen candy. For example, soft-serve ice cream cones had been dipped in chocolate for years by that point. Nelson's contribution was the recipe and process that allowed such a treat to be packaged and sold en masse. But again, that's not what he patented. Nonetheless, when competitors rushed their own coated ice cream bars to market, Nelson responded with lawsuits. They were rarely settled quickly, and even less often in the company's favor. And so, faced with the growing legal costs of defending such a broad patent, Russell Stover decided to cut and run. He sold his shares of the company in 1923, and used the money to start the famous candy company that still bears his name today, One year later, Nelson sold the Eskimo Pie Company to the firm that made its wrappers, the U.S. Foil Corporation, which later became the Reynolds Metals Company. For the first few years after the buyout, U.S. Foil carried on suing competitors for violating its patent, but that finally came to an end in 1928 when the patent was officially declared invalid. The rights to the Eskimo Pie continued to change hands throughout the 20th century and into the 21st, eventually landing under the purview of Dryers in 2007. Thirteen years later, the company announced it would finally retire the product's divisive name, rebranding the Eskimo Pie as the Edie's Pie, a tribute to candy maker Joseph Edie, the co-founder of Dryers. It's not the most appetizing name for an ice cream bar, but it's still an improvement over what basically amounted to a slur. I'll admit, though, that naming it after Edie seems like a bit of a slap in the face to Nelson, the man who invented the product. But considering the stunt he tried to pull with his patent, maybe he had it coming. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about ice cream history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro series. Your hearing isn't better, your TV is. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors